why are we asking for reparations and change from the same system that has I don't trust them. They deliberately put the put us in this position. Yeah. How much is cleaner air worth? Can we put a dollar figure on that? How how much is saving a tree worth? How much is a healthier ozone worth? Okay, tell me when. One, two, go. <laughs> oh, yeah, <hold> on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Symbiosis Now, everybody. Tyler Colombaro, Allison Colombaro here beside me, in front of me, adjacent to me, in hey. a mutually beneficial relationship. Yes, yeah, this is absolutely mutually beneficial. This is a partnership. This is a co-pilot ship. I have something written on the wall right here that says, as long as we are a unit, there is no pilot, only two co-pilots. Similar but different duties. Both pilots are essential to flight. So you need two people in that cockpit, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you do. So if you don't have a person, get out there and find your person because everybody needs a person. And if you don't want a person, at least get a dog. Yeah, or a bearded dragon. Or a bearded dragon. I was just talking about how much I love my bearded dragon, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. What I do want to talk about today is, like, I basically wanted to hop back on the podcast, say hello to whoever's been listening, say thank you to whoever's been listening. I've been kind of watching in the background and, you know, paying attention, just being more of an audience member as opposed to being active because Tyler is such a freaking rock star. This has become his baby and I want it to be. He wants me to participate more and I'm slowly gaining the courage to get back into it. But uh, I just want to say thank you because I have been paying attention and I know you guys are listening. So whoever's out there listening, thank you. Uh, all I want for the people that I love is for others to love them too. So wanted to check in, say thank you, and kind of give you guys uh, a little like insight as to what my thought process has been over the last couple months, what my mental roller coaster has been like with everything going on in the world, and kind of just trying to look back and reflect on what I have felt, what I have learned, and what I want to do about it now. So... We could start all the way back to when we first started the podcast, episode one. We were talking about George Floyd being murdered. And that was actually a a pillar moment in my year. Was he my dad? No. Was he my family or friend? No. But did we watch that man die and the whole world mourned? Absolutely. Well, everybody had a grieving process that watched that saw that happen and now i'm not talking about the people who want to say if you want to seriously say that that video was fake then that's a whole other conversation maybe we could have a separate podcast about that because there are really people out there that exist that will tell you plain face that they think that that video is not real i on the other hand have seen way too many police brutality videos to look at that and think that it's fake i know that that's real there's a lot of deep fake fake videos out there you do have to be careful what you see on the internet but that was real man that really happened we really watched that man die and out of all the things good or bad that have happened since 2020 began that was one of the worst moments looking back because the year started you know everybody was like 2020 i remember memes over the last decade or so that would be this guy 
like with finger guns looking at you and he'd be like I don't have people ask me where I'm going to be in 10 years but I don't have 2020 vision and then the same meme kept popping up like one in 2015 was the same guy with his finger guns saying people ask me where I'm going to be in five years but I don't know I don't have 2020 vision like you know with Tyler and I graduated high school in 2012 which everybody thought the year was going to end in 2012 from what I remember not every single person yeah. but yeah that was pretty ridiculous we were under the impression graduating <laughs> high school that like well six more months and the world's gonna get obliterated like the film that came out that year to basically tell us that it was a huge deal right it was a good film but it was was a good film but it just the stars aligned and then the fact that nobody could really tell us that it wasn't was what was harmful because rumors always have existed lies and misinformation whether it's deliberate or not has always existed since the dawn of time but I remember being a senior in high school and everybody that I asked and I was like do you think that could even be a possibility they either just were like nah no fuck that it's not gonna happen but okay you didn't give me a reason why or people would actually be like I mean it is the Mayan calendar (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll have to see. So I don't know. These are pillar moments that stick out. So yeah, 2012, we didn't even know. We graduated. If we're trying high to school. fact check the Mayans, who the, who were the Mayans fact checking? Right. <sighs> no, dude. I was learning about Mayan farming and like the like Aztecs and Mayans how they farmed and sometimes they would do like water farming and stuff. Oh, that's that's really. It was awesome pro- they were probably like midsummer though. They were probably all out oh, there God. eating hella mushrooms. Going, da, jump off the rock, bro. If you Just haven't do seen it. midsummer, you gotta see midsummer. But you might need to take some dramamine. But yeah, that movie Midsummer. If you haven't seen it, listener. It's a great piece of art. It's a very great piece of art, but it's very um, heavy. But, man, you can handle it. You just got to watch it. You just have to be prepared. It is very heavy. So, yeah, go into it with an open mind, open heart, and be prepared to not get a good night's sleep. And remember that it's a film. Yeah, it's a piece of art. There's other aspects to it than what you see exactly in front of you. you So all that to say, though, that things have been unsure and kind of scary for a long time. For me, at least. And I remembered having conversations throughout my life and... That being clarifying moments where it's like, holy shit, wait, nobody knows what's going on here. Like, when I was little, I thought I was a Christian, and I still identify with a lot of Christian values, but I can't call myself a Christian anymore because I don't want to be associated with a lot of the things that I have learned Christianity is responsible for. And Christianity meaning, like, any extension of Christianity, Catholicism, all that. All that, I don't, you know, the ideology, values, a lot of it, I can get on board with. As far as what Christianity and Catholicism has been responsible for in the course of human history, can't do it. Gotta step back. Gotta step out. I have my own personal relationship with God, and that's all there really is to that. But when I was little, I was indoctrinated to think that the Christian way was the right way. I didn't even have really that religious of a family members, really. Looking back, everybody was pretty open-minded. I didn't, compared to what I know now as conservative religion, like, no. My family wasn't really conservative as far as religion goes. However, there was a default setting, and the default setting was Christianity. You're American, you're Christian, 
you better do the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, there was a strong sense of nationalism. Like, I can imagine what it may have been like if I would have said, I don't want to do the Pledge of Allegiance. My mom probably wouldn't have cared, but there was other people that were involved in my life at the time that probably would have made my life a living hell if I would have said, I don't want to do the Pledge of Allegiance. So The Pledge of the what? <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Imagine, like, right? I'm that student that just, like, I never did that. Like, no one got away with it. You know, no, even no, you, everybody you, had to do it. Even yeah. if you were like, uh, it wasn't with your belief system, you would get like scolded by the teacher. Like, I had a buddy that got in trouble in like seventh grade because he lit- he legitimately was like, my parents tell me I don't have to do it if I don't want to do it. Like, right? And he was chill. He wasn't trying to be an, a dick, but he, he didn't wasn't feel, a he didn't... Antifa. Yeah, he wasn't Antifa. <laughs> Maybe no. he was Antifa in training because we were young. Oh, yes. No. no. He was just a kid. His parents told him, no, you don't have to do weird shit like that that people tell you have to do. Yeah. You, you think it's weird, yeah, too. Yeah, you think it's weird, and you don't know and why, and they can't explain to you why, and it doesn't make sense to you. Don't do it. I wish more parents would what tell you do. kids that. Instead of like saying, like, well, we're very nationalistic here in the United States, and we're trying to push an authoritarian kind of aspect to the future of our world here. Come Little night. Jimmy, if you only knew that Donald Trump will be the president in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just, I, I wanted to kind of check in with everything because I feel like I haven't really given the listeners quite enough insight as to my thought process in my life and, like, how can I go into everything. But looking back, yeah, Christianity was, like, the default setting when in my childhood then I got into high school. Nobody in my family gave a fuck about going to church. And then, but the thing was, also nobody in my family was atheist. Nobody in my family was um, like a Gandhi-type guru out searching for the truth. Like, no, everybody around me was just lost, sad, in their own demons and depression and whatever was going on that I still can't quite fully comprehend because I was a kid, but it is crazy to look back and think like nobody had a sense of direction as far as spirituality goes, as far as what our purpose is here. I was surrounded by a bunch of people who drank all the time and didn't really talk about existential crises, a lot of arguing, a lot of you know, punching holes in walls, slamming doors, constantly drinking, driving. That's what I look back and I think of things that people that were supposed to be people that I looked up to when I was at a, a very critical stage in childhood were not good people to be looking up to as far as how to be just a fucking person in the world or how to deal with the fact that like one day we're going to die. And what are you going to do about that? And what do you want? How do you want to live your life in coordinates with the fact that this is all finite? Nobody was there to talk about those things with me. I met you. You were my best friend starting in, you know, sophomore year. I had a handful of friends that I considered were my best friends. Looking back, you really were my best friend. Damn you were straight. the one I ended up marrying. Damn straight. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we we both had our different circles, I would say. Like, you had your friends you hung out with more. I had my friends I hung out with more. But we lived in a small town. These things overlapped. We found ourselves in the same scenario often. We always had good chemistry. Never once did we, you know, try anything beyond friendship while we were in high school. And then graduating high school... We started our local community college. All of a sudden, we're together every day. All of a sudden, I want to do more than be next to you. 
all of a sudden I want to kiss you. All of a sudden I want to be the one that gets to kiss you. And you wanted to be the one that gets to kiss me. And that's where our love was born, you know. So we go on this journey together through life, you know, trying to work jobs here and there, trying to just pay bills, trying to figure out, you know, we know we want to live on our I thought it was really cool a minute ago, though, because you were talking about uh, going to church and stuff and, and being, uh, you grew up with uh, like a lens, you call it a default setting, like a default lens of how you see spirituality and life and how we're growing, living creatures, but we're kind of alienated from really understanding that because we act like we're not you know in this yeah, weird way yeah. like we're not monkeys that have evolved to this crazy level or anything like that you know right and I'm pretty sure I was asking about death from a relatively young age I mean my grandpa died when I was in like first or second grade I want right. to say I was pretty, pretty young, young. Mm-hmm. and at the time I thought I wasn't that young because I had friends who their grandma died when they were little or before they or, were born. Or, yeah, like or before they were yeah, born, like yeah. Grandma, yeah. So I thought, wow, I got to see him even a few times, and then now it's only when I look back and I realize, oh, that was pretty young. That was my first experience with death. So I'm pretty sure I've been asking about death for a long time, and nobody's been able to give me a, a, a devout, solid answer, you know. I, say it's been, a, I think it's a really good thing to um, question death. It can be if you can... If you can live every day knowing that you're going to die, but sometimes it can become overwhelming because it's like I have struggled with feeling like like a trigger warning to anybody listening. We're going to talk about suicide for a second, just a brief second. I struggled with thoughts of suicide because I thought maybe I was suicidal. It's only now that I look back and I realize, oh, I've just always been terrified of death. I've always not wanted to die, so much so to the fact that I've been at points in my life where I thought, eh, I'm going to die anyway, screw it, balls to the wall, like, don't care if I, you know, and it was things like alcohol consumption, but it was also even earlier than that, I wanted, like, if I go wakeboarding, I wanted to do, I wanted the boat to go faster, I I do, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie, I'm kind of like, anything I do, I want to do it, like, balls to the wall or not at all, and sometimes it's more not at all, and then that's when I'm in a more, like, depressive state, when I just want to isolate and not talk to anybody, and... But then, you know, destructive times where it's like, fuck it, I'll just do, go on the wakeboard and I'll try to do a flip. I don't care if I break my neck. I don't need a helmet riding the bike. Fuck a seatbelt. Like, you know, um, actually, kind of random for me to bring up right now, but it stuck out in my mind recently and I think of it periodically. I used to date this kid when we were both kids in high school. We were like 16, 17 maybe, and... The guy that I was dating had a cousin that liked to drive fast. And sometimes me and the guy that I was dating and all of our friends would pile into his little Subaru and we'd go down one of our back streets right here and go 100 miles an hour in the car with him. Now, Mom, if you're listening, I actually only did this once. But that group of friends was a group that would do it frequently And right after I stopped associating really with that guy and hanging out with that group of people, that the cousin that liked to drive fast totaled his car and is now paraplegic. 
and literally almost died. And that kind of resonated with me feeling, oh my God, like what was my life like where I was getting in the car and I literally didn't even care like that that could happen. And then it literally happened and just kind of blows my mind looking back at all the things that have happened and nothing that we have an explanation for. And, yeah, you know, I, I realized as an adult, I don't want to die. So then, you know, 2020 happens. That's where I was going. 2020 happens. It's a year of uncertainty. We don't know if this is going to be the dawn of a new era. We know who our president is, and we know what our economic status is. We know what we look like to the world, but we don't really have a full grasp. Uh, we, as in like me and others like me, you know, don't really know for sure what's going to happen, but we're positive, okay? Kobe Bryant dies. The same day Kobe Bryant dies was the day that we put down my family dog, Brady, R.I.P. Brady, to the world. The world was mourning Kobe Bryant. I was mourning my dog, watching everybody else mourn Kobe Bryant. It was a very depressing time. Well, simultaneously kind of mourning Kobe Bryant, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't lie and say I was a fan. You know, that's something that always bothered me when a celebrity we died. No and fans, all of a sudden, everybody matter. cares. He was cool, man. No, he was a baller, it's enough to me to the fact that, like, so many children looked up to him him kids that I have known and and taught when I used to teach after school program they would wear his jersey and his shoes and look up to him and he actually was a wholesome-ish leader looking back I mean there was nothing quite too scandalous I think there was like a scandal where maybe he cheated at one person but nobody cared pretty serious allegations against yeah but his wife clearly didn't care his wife clearly forgave him his children and his team clearly forgave him so we as the public that was nothing to do with us. That was yeah, their own private right. life. As far as the leader goes, and my heart mourns for all of the children out there because a lot of those children are now 30 that weren't necessarily like kids when he started becoming famous or whatever. But, you know, adults, like I think of this guy that I don't want to name him, but, um, well, his first name's and we went to school with him and he's a huge Lakers fan he's a guy that I'm not really like that close with I would say but when Kobe Bryant died I was so sad for I was like oh my god that's his hero like that's his hero that just died I don't know quite what that feels like you know so that happened and then that was I want to say like February maybe March Um, March is also when coronavirus hit us, really, where we live. Um, It was already creeping around the world, but March, Tyler and I were on a beach trip, and it was actually the last trip we took together before all this happened, and we haven't got to take a trip together since. But um, we were in Big Sur, and it was like we had landed in heaven, man. It was the most beautiful trip I might have ever been on in my life. And I remember we were at uh, CVS in Monterey because we were going to get a tattoo. We were thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> we didn't end up getting a tattoo because the wait was too long, but we were on the list to way get a tattoo. Way too long. We were yeah. sitting there for way too God, long. But that was a it nightmare. was because we were just those walk-in, that walk-in couple. It's like, let's get a tattoo let's in Monterey. Whatever. While coronavirus. And we go to CVS, huh? We walked over there just to like get like a, a Red yeah, Bull or something. Yeah, we just went in to go pee and get like a snack and a Red Bull and just kind of kill time for our tattoo appointment that we didn't ever end up getting. 
And I remember being in line and there was an older woman and she had like four little bottles of sanitizer in her hand. And I kind of looked at her funny and I looked at the clerk and I was like, I I don't remember if I asked like, is something going on? Or if the clerk said, you may want to stock up too. Somebody made a comment and I'm like, what's going on? And the lady behind me with the hand sanitizer was like, you don't know the coronavirus? You don't know? And I'm like, no, I mean, I I don't, I'll guess I'll look it up. Like... I don't know. So, yeah, I guess we had missed the immediate hit on the news because we were on vacation. We weren't really on our phones. We were in a well, spot where we didn't really have service. I feel like I didn't really pay attention to a lot of current events until then for a little while because I had went on like kind of a track of like just trying to let it go, figure out myself. Right, which is fine. Which is great. But yeah. then when coronavirus got serious it was like fuck i can't ignore this i can't ignore this and then i got sucked into watching trump and his coronavirus task force come up and just basically bullshit for a couple weeks right so what i do remember was being in cvs and i remember the lady being like you don't know coronavirus and i was like i guess i'll need to look it up so we left we didn't end up getting a tattoo because it took too long and we were already driving home i want to say or maybe it was the next date we like stayed at a hotel or something and then we drove home and i remember going to work the next day and we got like a text i got a I got a message. I won't disclose where I work, but I do work at a bank for a major financial institution that I guarantee you, you have one in your town or the town over. And I got a message from corporate that was an automated message on my phone that was a text saying like, attention, coronavirus, uh, we're going to be on lockdown, certain will be closing, Uh, contact your manager and up until that point I think about a week had passed from the time when we came back from our trip and when I got that message and over the course of that week me and all of my team were asking our manager are we gonna close like nobody was really freaking out we really just wanted to be in the know and because he didn't have an answer for us none of us knew but so we were asking like are we gonna close are we gonna remain open should we even be open we don't know anything about this virus what are you know we were trying to get answers but when you work for a major corporation and you're the lowest level that there is you don't really get answers right away we're kind of like the last ones to get an answer so my boss kept telling us, no, we're fine. No, you guys are fine. We're going to be fine. This is going to be over. Like he was more like not careless because I would consider my boss to be a very caring person. Right. I know he has kids and a family and a wife that he loves dearly. I, I see him as a caring person. But he wa- I think now looking back, it was maybe his defense mechanism. I think maybe he was scared shitless and didn't want to let that face be shown to his team that like listen guys nobody knows nobody knows yet so then that message came and i thought oh my god this is really happening this is exactly as bad as i thought it was going to be this is not a joke this is not a drill and i had a sense of urgency but then nobody else around me did at my work they all kind of were like this will just pass this will be over it everybody was really over it from the very beginning everybody did a good job of keeping their distance we all wore our masks when we were instructed to that wasn't really that big of an issue we had one or two that really resisted wearing the mask but then now it's like who cares um they just wear masks we're fine 
But my issue looking back is that <laughs> it's so selfish because the whole world was falling apart, but I'm just trying to reflect on my own experience. I had just started my job and I was only on the line fresh out of training at an entry level position at a bank like a month on the line and then boom we closed and at the time I didn't have a car whereas the other girls that worked my position were able to help at other branches I what am I going to do walk to a neighboring town my husband has a vehicle but he has a full-time job that he's not they're not closing right now so how am I supposed to you know up until this point I worked very close to home I had no reason to have a car because I live in such a small town the person I live with has a vehicle if we really need to go get groceries or something but we were making it work and it was fine but that left me for months doing just training by myself when I would go to work and there were even some times where they'd text me that morning and I'd be like ready to go and they'd be like hey listen if you don't want to come in today like we understand because there's not really anything for you to do so I it's again privileged as fuck but I was left feeling so worthless like feeling like why am I even here like why am I even working this job then if I'm not able to help anybody I'm literally nobody like what my purpose is nothing right now just to sit and absorb what's going on in the world and try to just figure out if this is going to be we were all put everyone was put in a weird position i mean they had there was a transitional period and that's how yours was that's how exactly yeah i'm not trying to make it sound like mine was worse than anybody's because i know of too many people that but a lot of heroes were exposed in these moments because they were down to still go to work every day and continue and make that process happen everyone's got to fill a niche yes and i was of our quote-unquote essential workers for a while right which was a very um That was a nightmare because then I got to be an essential worker who wasn't in contact with the public. I was considered an essential worker, but because I was this, like, speck of sand that made it through all the filters and everybody else got caught up top and then somehow I ended up alone on the bottom, still with a job, still getting paid, thankfully, for my minimal position, but purpose, and my purpose was none. I uh, Even I started to feel like an inconvenience at work because I would go and everybody else would be doing something important. And I didn't have enough training to be able to help people over the phone yet. And I didn't have, my, my bosses didn't have the time to coach me and have one-on-one because they were filling their hero niche and trying to rise up while other people were taking advantage of the coronavirus and taking their two-week health absence without actually having the coronavirus and, and then all it's this gone. Stuff. now for when they actually if, if, if or when they actually, actually have, have it yeah you know? so very quickly yeah march came a week passed where my boss was like oh it'll be fine and then boom message from corporate no we're closed then my branch is closed not every branch closed but the branch that i worked at closed i was left with a lot of free time I, I took it on as my job to pay attention now to what's going on. Okay, I don't have kids. I have a grown-ass adult ho- husband. My dog, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm making an energy drink, guys. <laughs> I just burped. Excuse me. My dog is fed. 
you know, everything's fine. I need to tune in. I need to there? really pay attention. Speaking of the dog, she's snoring right here, guys. She, yeah. You can hear Lila. She's in the background. She's with us and vocal. <laughs> she's with us. I, honestly, I really don't think the listeners mind because if you've made it this far, I think Lila's probably become a part of the podcast and hearing her snore in the background probably provides a sense of comfort. I yeah. remember, I, I forget she's there and then she's snoring and I'm like, oh, she's there. So I just felt like I needed to tune in. I needed to pay attention to what's going on because everybody else around me wasn't directly affected by coronavirus. Now I will say, I know people that got the virus, but were they a part of my circle, my immediate friends and family? No. Not that I know of. Out of my closest close, I don't know of anybody that has gotten it. But that doesn't matter. Nobody directly was affected. Everybody got to keep their jobs in my circle. Everybody was stressed by this, was nervous by this. My best gal has asthma, and uh, she works for a company that told her, you better go home and take like a month because you're high risk. So she didn't really have a choice in that. I mean, people were affected, but... I felt like, you know what, I can I can really tune in and try to stay alert on what's going on right now. So Aware. that was my level of awareness. Yeah, attentiveness. Yeah. I'm really paying attention. Because yeah. before March, I already kind of was addicted to my phone, but I mostly just had FOMO and just kind of like, that was my excuse. I wanted to stay up to date, but I couldn't like repeat it to somebody else. I would just take it in and then let it all be inside of me and I wouldn't really do a good job of sharing what I've learned and then it was just like this energy inside of me. Information overload. Information overload, exactly. So that was my level of attentiveness and caring. (sighs) Then, Ahmaud Arbery was shot. That was sometime in March or I want to say April when I saw that video and I was like, oh my God, this was before George Floyd was killed. This was... Uh, I'm just saying the sequence of events. March is when Definitely coronavirus was. started affecting us. Then every we didn't even George Floyd was still alive doing whatever he was doing. Ahmaud Arbery got shot as he was going for a jog. He had gone into a construction building to just take a break. I, for one, have been in many empty construction sites. I was alive during the housing crisis of 2008. I spent parts of my childhood in half-built skeleton homes. So to me, that was not an indicator that somebody's bad or has malicious intent. The man was just going for a jog and was surrounded all of a sudden by a truck behind him and a truck in front of him. The men in the truck in front of him jumped out and stopped him to confront him and they had a gun and they shot him dead in the street as he was jogging down the road. I lost my shit. The world kind of lost their shit, but not quite yet, because you just wait. Give it just a few weeks, just a few months, George Floyd is murdered. The whole world's watching. We've about had a fuck enough. This broke my heart to see this happen sequentially. Watch these two men be murdered in cold blood. I don't care what they did that led up to this. I look at that like that is a human being. I don't care what they did. The police are the ones that are supposed to do better. They are the ones that are clocked in. When I clock in at my job, I'm giving it 100%. And I'm not going to spend time at a job where I feel like I hate everybody and I want to kick the dog when I get home. I'm going to find a different job. So I don't understand, as a 25-year-old woman, 
living in my little small town, how this can go on in bigger cities where they're supposed to have more accountability. I'm aware that shit can be corrupt on a small level, but we're talking, this is national. This is worldwide. This is everybody looking and saying, whoa, this is what America's doing? This is what America's doing? I remember being eighth grade, freshman. You'd have to go on the dark web if you want to see some nasty shit. There was nasty shit on the internet, and I'm talking like gory, like... You know, a website circulated. I wasn't even really into that shit, okay? But I know because I participated in it. There was websites that circulated that people would dismember themselves. And we would all send it to each other and be like, oh my god, look at this crazy website. Treating it like it's a Saw movie or something. But it's actually probably human beings actually hurting themselves. And we thought, oh, this is just over the internet. Oh, it's not real. There's no way this could be real. It's a video. It's a video. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it was beyond like this was not just George Floyd being murdered. This is a cumulative that's one uncertainty. Name. That's one name. That's one that's name. One and name. no doubt that was wrong and that was murder. But and no there's no but. It's just that there's gosh, countless names. Cuz now countless that I think about it, Breonna Taylor was killed this year also. I think that might have even happened between Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. We don't have all our facts right. You want to fact check us, that's okay. Oh, but I really encourage people to. The reality is, to, is yeah. how the memory works is very profound because you're kind of just going through how you feel like 2020's been going so far since yeah, right, I'm just trying to here. give insight to the listener on kind of where I'm at and where my brain is and what everything's been like because it's so many things that are so far out of my control and I've had people tell me in my life that I just stick my nose in situations where it doesn't belong and just mind your own business, Allison, and just if it's out of your control, you, you don't need to be concerned about it. But ah. like all those voices are wrong. All those people that have told me that are wrong. Misery it's loves our, company. I hate yeah. saying it, but people are kind of like, yo, no, you don't need to go. You don't need to go get that promotion. Come on, just keep working with us. No, yeah. don't don't leave. Don't go do something better that makes you happy. Just stay here and do this with us. We do this every day right. and we complain about it all day. Let's keep doing this. Right, and we know it because <laughs> we've it worked sound, jobs yeah. where it's like not Does necessarily it sound gratifying. Those- those people weren't bad. It's just that you're exactly right. Misery loves company. And when you are a light in your workplace, which you and I are, and whoever's listening, I bet you're a light in your workplace. I bet when you walk in, people are excited to hear from you and speak to you because humans possess the capacity to try to give each other some love and kindness and connection. The only reason why someone should live in misery is if it's the state. If it's the state? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, misery? It's Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I married him, folks, because sometimes you just got to take a chill pill, man. Missouri. They say it like that, though, Missouri. Missouri. They don't say I. They don't say E, Missouri. They say Missouri. I just felt like I really wanted to hop (laughs) back on here at least just maybe an hour, maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. I wanted to really let the listener know, like, the way this podcast started was there was a lot leading up to it. And then there was some pillar events that we thought, no, we got to sit down and talk about this because people don't want to talk about this for some reason. And people are. You go on the internet and you see, you know, dis, uh, distant family, people that you've met in the past that care. But when it comes to one of us calling our moms, neither of them wanted to talk about it. 
when it comes to us wanting to get together with a group of friends and discuss these things, you can't because it's COVID. You can't have a party with all your friends. If COVID wasn't a thing, maybe we would have done some speakeasy style shit because I know people were doing that when all this happened. There were groups coming out like on Facebook that I saw that was like underground and white supremacy. Let's meet and do some speakeasy type shit and talk about this. Um I had to stay alive, you know. I had to focus on myself because it is a delicate balance of caring about the world and then making it about yourself. Like, I I don't want to go into these situations and make it about me. But I am allowed to tell others how I felt in my healing process because I don't think that love is finite. I used to think that if I give my love away, I'll run out of it. And, you know, I've been trying to figure out of where to put my energy and how to let others know that I love them, but at the same time know that, like, it is what it is. Um, You know, it's just time and experiences and character development and making choices along the way. And uh, if there's one thing that I could say to the listener is that big changes happen with a lot of little changes. A lot of little changes add up to be something big, and you don't know until it's a tumor. You don't know until it's, you know, taking up your whole life. Like, I will say I did lose some friends throughout this process of being more vocal about politics and religion and human rights and everything. But hindsight, I didn't lose anybody that really loved me to begin with. I lost some people that we had pleasant company. Maybe we made some pleasant memories. We just hadn't gotten to those core value conversations yet that lead to long-term friendships. Because if we had, they'd still be my friend. Right. Um, Because my mom still loves me. My mother-in-law still loves you. She still loves me. Our friends and family that love us and know us probably never really doubted us from the beginning. And I want to take a second to thank my husband, Tyler, too, because... He helps me to have the confidence to get on here and do this, and it can be nerve-wracking, you know? It's kind of like, I would call it stage fright, is what it is sometimes. It's, like, hard to get on the microphone, but, you know, I said it in the beginning of the podcast, and I'll say it again. Get yourself a person, and if you have a person, turn off this podcast and go give them a hug. And if you don't have a person, that's okay. Maybe you should get a dog. Maybe you should try to find a roommate that you'd get along with. Maybe you should uh, try to build some friendships and see if you can try to find your person. Because everybody needs somebody. So, thank you to whoever's listening. Thank you to my husband. Love is calmness. Love is patience. Love is understanding. And it's not just in a romantic relationship. It's in platonic friendships. It's with your parents. It's, you know... Love is complicated and beautiful. And beautiful. It's probably yes. just complex. as complicated as it is beautiful, you know? I think it's just complex. It depends on how we look at things. We always look at things that are not easy and readily accessible or um, easy to digest Easy to digest as something that is yeah. not palatable because it's not as desirable as something I could just pop in the microwave. That idea that you had that you wrote down on a piece of paper, I can't understand unless you just put it in the toaster oven real quick. Ting. Okay, now I get it. Right. 
you know. So what am I going to do about this, Allison? What are you going to do about all this, Allison? Yeah, what's your what's what's your res, what's your resolution, <laughs> Allison? So my plan is pretty much the same as what it's been all along. I for a long time I've been just taking it day by day while keeping forethought of the future because if you only think of the future, you're never in the now. And if you only think of the past, you're never in the now. But you have to maintain thoughts of the future to, to get where you want to go and remember where you came from so you never go back right, because while the, being here now. The now is the most, like, it's overwhelmingly... Present. Present. Like, it's it's yeah. too much. Because if we were to be like, right now, though, it would be like, fuck this conversation oh, right on this podcast. Almost yeah. no offense. Because it'd be like, s- scope, zoom out. Right. To the world. Look at what's right. happening in China with the Uyghurs. What's happening in all the countries. Yeah. Fuck, dude. There's mass global lockdown. Right. Uh, a lot of countries are preparing for their second wave right now, while the U.S. is like, well, we never really got over our first, so. Yeah, we're not really doing much besides making people just work and put on a mask. We didn't ever stop anything. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of places I'm sure that never stopped anything. People can't afford to stop. They live f- today to live for another day. Well, they could afford you know, to stop sure. if their boss and their landlord or whoever they pay their mortgage payment to agreed. Yeah, and but for how long? You know, See, I don't think I th- always felt like that was a slippery slope from the beginning to just kind of like be like, oh yeah, well, hey, they're letting rent slide for a while. Yeah, but for how long? That will always have a limitation. Well, no, but know? that that's why that's where like I don't want to get too into it because we could go all day talking about how they could have handled this. But I think a simple answer would have been one month of serious lockdown. Nobody leaves their house. Nobody pays their bills. Yeah, but to enforce Nobody. that. Yeah, but they basically did it already. No, I think it's in enforceable maybe in, in, in America, in the United States. Just well, because. then here we are, and we're going to live. Because in other countries, they forced it. Yeah, and they, they, like, and they got over it, and they and were shit. able to move on with life. Yeah, but yeah. people are not apt to just be like, yeah, I don't mind them making me stay you know, in my fucking house. I really house, didn't you know? come on the podcast right now to talk about how they could have handled coronavirus, because like I said, we could talk about that all day. I wanted to conclude with, what's my plan? What are you going to do about it, Allison? Because we could argue, me and you, me and the listener, the listener and their partner, we could all argue till we're blue in the face about these things. What am I going to do about all of this? I'm going to take it day by day. I'm going to take care of myself and my immediate family and loved ones. That does not mean that I don't care anymore. That does not mean that I'm going to go back to who I was. Just a modified version. New and improved. Allison 3.0. Allison that does no harm but takes no shit. And when she does do harm, she tries to make it right. Because there's really not time to tiptoe around things. I want to not offend anybody. Are you joking? I'm the one who wants to not offend anybody. But when it comes to me being able to survive and live to be 100, I got to have self-preservation. And it's not selfish for me to have self-preservation. All these things have accumulated to now, where we are, what my life is like. I'm back to work. I'm doing great at my job. Finally starting to just make a little bit more money. Like, I'm not negligible, whoever's listening. It's just, like, a difference of 50 bucks even on a paycheck, but it makes a difference. My dog is over there taking a breath. She's healthy. My husband is taking care of working on himself, making progress in many areas. We have our garden. I got chickens that give us eggs. I can only do so much, you know. 
my plan is to just continue to share these things that I've learned because really once I clocked in back in March or April, I clocked in on all this. It's all up here. Whoever's listening, I'm pointing at my noggin. I'm tapping on my temple. It's all up here. It just is about articulating it, being able to cite my sources, being ready to have a conversation with whoever is willing to listen along the way. I have to be willing to listen to them. I have to know that certain conversations I have with certain people could break our friendship. And they might look at me like, what do you mean we can't talk about it? We can talk about anything. And it's like, no, I don't think you understand. These are things that I feel very passionately about. And we could talk about it, but you better be ready to really talk about it. Because you're going to see a different Allison if you want to talk about that. Whether it's politics, being anti-racist, human trafficking, religion, existential things, life after death. I feel very passionately about a lot of things, so then I just have to figure out how to blend in and be a part of society because nobody has time to listen to everything I care about. Nobody has time. I could have my own podcast where I come in in the podcast room and I film for six hours a day. Who would listen? Nobody has the time. There's only a limited amount of time. So what have I learned? A lot. What am I going to do about it? pay it forward with people who want to listen and have a conversation so if you've made it this far and you're listening thank you because honestly it takes a lot to get on the microphone and put our voices out there to be heard and I really just want to thank whoever's listening you know well I think that I think that you shouldn't be too afraid to enter the world with what you actually have to bring to the table because I think the world's missing that niche unless you're filling it I think that for most people we, we find this uh, in like we're trying to force ourselves to be something that we're not by, in any way whatsoever. And in between that, we're trying to say, yeah, oh, I like this color, though. And I like that style, though. And I like this car, though. But a lot of that is kind of like you have to choose. Does it really count? Who you really are is what is actually underneath all these choices that are external situations. Yes, that helps develop your character, but it's not who you are. The world needs to see who each other are so we actually know what we're dealing with, so we actually know what laws to implement if people are struggling with things like mental health and shit that nobody really seems to be financing. You know, it's not a moneymaker to heal people, you know, but we can't focus like that. We have to focus on being ourselves so we can heal mentally each other by understanding each other. The world needs what we have to offer, but at the same time, you must be prepared for the path of more resistance. To be outspoken is not the path of least resistance. To vocalize your opinions is not the path of least resistance. So you have to be not afraid of being rejected not afraid of people thinking that you're kooky or dumb or whatever insert negative adjective here yeah Um, not bougie or savage or classy enough uh, yeah whatever it is it just you are the only you dr seuss said it something like you you are the you 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 could be like nobody could ever be you and who you And I have it written up on the board over here. I'll read it. You said something about distractions. 
in like, I don't know, it was a few minutes back, uh, the listener will probably know, you said something about distractions and how we have to, you know, function, but also be who we are. Yeah, because being in the now is so overwhelming. We almost use distractions to almost not be right here, right now, because if we were to really focalize on what's going on right now on the planet Earth, it's fucking insane. We got people outside the planet Earth going to Mars right now. Right. We got to look at it in that kind of scope. Like it's, it's very um, small, each other's individual little lives. And that's how it is valued by corporate, military, industrial, Right. complex you name it you know insert industrial complex here they're taking yeah. advantage of these things you know well i remember a wise man once told me and he's a used to be a diesel mechanic this wise man that once told me he didn't really like his job very much and i remember years ago we talked to this wise man about this same thing now this wise man has retired so thank God he doesn't have to deal with a job and people and situations that he doesn't like anymore. But I remember this wise man telling me and Tyler, your job is to distract you, dude. If anybody focuses on what's going on, you'll lose your shit. Lose your fucking mind, And your bro. job is people have to work. And that's why it's really important for you to spend that four, six, eight, ten. 12, God forbid, hours a day, you better love what you're doing. Or you, And if you don't exactly love, like let's say you work in an office building, you don't exactly love clerical work, you better love your team. You better love your boss. You better love your coworkers. You better find purpose when you go. You may not be finding the cure for cancer, but you at least know that you're going and you're a part of a team that has a purpose and you're working towards whatever's next. Yeah. And the thing I have written on the board was distraction versus joy. Material possessions are great distractions, but not a source of joy. And that even comes down to this microphone I'm speaking into. I mean, doing the podcast sparks joy, but it's also a distraction from what, though? What am I supposed to be focusing on? Right. No, but there's no rule book to humans. There's no roadmap to human behavior right so it's just about you may not have all the answers you may not have the cure to cancer but you could be a dancer you could be a freelancer right you could do whatever the fuck you want yeah as long as you don't join an mlm yeah or a cult which is the same fucking thing in the modern world because right. there's of course big money involved right if you well, want to kind of big money but it goes up but if yeah, you want to lie to people here. and you're a good salesman and you're okay with alienating yourself from your family and friends go ahead and join an mlm Otherwise, I actually just don't, don't even want to promote even saying it sarcastically. You stay the fuck away from those things. And then even, <laughs> especially if you're sitting in a meeting and they go, this is not an MLM. I know you've heard it from other people. Our company is different. You, in that moment, to be like, oh shit, oh, Tyler shit. said that on Symbios. Now I got to get the fuck out of here right now. And they're all wearing the same outfit. Nah, I'm just kidding. Imagine <laughs> you get the fuck out of there. You walk in a room and they're like, we're going to have a seance or we're going to have a, a mushroom trip and everyone's wearing the same outfit. You get the fuck out of there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't stick around and see what's going to happen. If you one thing today, take that and learn that. Because, yeah, absolutely. Listen to your gut, man. Yeah, unless you just like drinking the Kool-Aid, you know. I think a lot of folks kind of don't mind. They like the uh, the fear of just, like, the unknown of drinking the Kool-Aid and being like, well, I trust, you well, know, all these the blind Well, that's the joke. The people that drink the Kool-Aid wanted to die. Well, they were told to believe that they wanted to die over time. I feel like that's... It's the oh, same, no, yeah, they, it was not, literally yeah. psychotic, 
manipulation. Same premise as if you stick a child and you put them in a closet and you Harry Potter their ass and you don't feed them. You Harry don't give them water. It's a really bad joke yeah. because it really happens, but it's a reference I'm hoping people And then get. he ends up becoming, he ends up realizing, oh my God, in a different world, I'm super important in this wizard land. Yeah. I'm actually like known yeah. and kind of admired for yeah. surviving. Hop off the mic, hop into our new bed frame that Tyler built us a bed frame, which I feel like a freaking queen. If anybody needs a bed frame built, hit up my freaking husband. Hell yeah. Only $5,000. No, I'm just nah. kidding. Uh, probably a cool 500 though. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, we're going to hop off. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you, Tyler, for having me. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Al. Thanks for having a good conversation. Thanks for inspiring good conversation because that's what we're trying to do, keeping it symbiotic. Right. Because right now the times, they have changed and they are rapidly changing. So shout out to you, listener. Keep it transparent. See through the uh, lies and the sheath that is over your eyes. We got to get through this together. Thank you so much. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. And thank you, listener.